listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We're your hosts, Sam Collier and Sarah Cho, and today's episode is a fun one where we answer one of your questions. <laughs> I need some kind of like a, a sound here. Ding, 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 ding. Like a trumpet okay, or something. So, this question or this email is from Alexis. And here I go. Hi, I am a recent graduate from University of Iowa. Woo! I had the woo. Woohoo! I I am really interested in continuing playwriting amongst other opportunities. I feel a little over the place because I'm not sure where to start. I often see notices about playwriting submissions, but don't know if I'm ready to submit since being out of school. I'm curious about your thoughts on how to get started, form community, how to find work to support writing. I'm also super curious who each of your favorite playwrights are and what have you done during the pandemic to stay creative. Also, big fan of podcasts. Aw, so <laughs> nice. You. Thanks, Thank Alexis. You. Thank you. All right, so let's dig into this. Oh, I love this. This is so exciting. <laughs> We're just so excited to get a question. Yeah. Keep it coming, people. Yeah. So let's re- let's let's try let's answer the first part. Let's go we'll go by question by question. So she feels a little over the place. Uh or they don't know your pronouns, but I feel a little over the place because I'm not sure where to start. I often see notice about playwriting submissions, but don't know if I'm ready to submit something out of school. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. This is so hard. I think one of the hardest things about graduating is that nobody is going to be giving you deadlines or making you turn in drafts. Nobody's going to be like, okay, your play is due on October 1st. So you just have to make it happen for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I totally understand this feeling of graduating where you were, you know, had a pretty structured life mm-hmm. and then and then feeling overwhelmed of like, okay, now I have all this time. What am I supposed to do with my time? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always feel like, okay, so here's the thing for me. It was like I could never stay creative if I didn't have all my basic needs met. You know what I mean? Mm. Like if I didn't have a job financially or um, job emotionally, like mentally, physically, like I just feel like if those needs aren't met, then I can't really stay creative. I don't know about you, Sam, but I just – I just feel like I can't. So it's like until I'm settled, I'm moved in somewhere, found a job, have some kind of a consistent schedule, then it's like then I feel like I could actually focus on what I need to like in creating and making stuff. That rings so true for me. And I feel like the times when I've had the most to do and I'm the busiest are also the times when I actually write the most. Mm. counterintuitively the times when I've had like the least amount of employment and you'd think like oh I have so much time why like I could write do all this writing but actually I'm just spending time like looking for jobs Jobs. right writing cover letters yeah because that's a job of itself (laughs) right because you're spending hours on cover letters or writing you know resume after resume and then hoping to get that interview and um but yet I mean 
because emotionally and mentally, if I'm constantly stressing, like, when's my next paycheck? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Then I it just I can't focus. I can't mm-hmm. concentrate on what I need to do. So, so yeah, totally get this. So it's I think one for me is like yeah, check where you are like me- mentally, financially, emotionally, and like and not and like you don't just do all this once, right? It's gonna mm-hmm. take time when you're finally adjusted to a place or adjusted to like a new kind of rhythm that's not school or yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, I think it's like allowing yourself to have that time. Yeah, to totally. Adjust, to, you know, no need to rush because <laughs> you can always write. And these opportunities, you know, there's mention of playwriting submissions. I don't know where to submit or where, you know, just being out of school. Well, what's great is there will always be opportunities to submit because they're constantly there, you know. And once you mm-hmm. get to a rhythm, you're like, yeah, every fall, you know, there's certain submission deadlines happening and you'll understand and be prepared for that. I also think it's worth looking for submission opportunities at smaller theaters and festivals. I think when I was just out of college, like I'm thinking about just out of undergrad, I knew about all the big places to submit, like the mm. O'Neill, um, but I really was not writing anything that was ready to be submitted to places like that. And I mean, I, yeah. I didn't know that. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, I should have been seeking out like theaters where I was living, small theaters, and looking at their submission policies and sending them plays or looking for like one act festivals or 10 minute play festivals and focusing on sending my work to more local or smaller opportunities. Um, Because I think if you feel like you're not ready to submit, it's okay to still start getting your work out there. And it, like, honestly, like, you're probably never going to feel like, I mean, there are people who feel like, oh, I have this amazing play and everybody's going to be begging to do it. But mm. I, I'm not one of those people. And if yeah. you think, like, if you wait till you're ready to submit, it might never, you might never feel like you're ready to submit. But what you can do is you can start sending your work out um, even if it feels like it's still kind of imperfect and you can mm-hmm. talk in, like if you're submitting it to a development opportunity, you can talk in your statement or your letter about what you would like to work on. Um, mm-hmm. because a lot of these opportunities are looking for plays that are still in their early stages. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I wonder because for me, when I was, I think it was like, yeah. So it was like first, when I first learned about playwriting submissions in general, and I was like, I had no idea what it entailed, what this means or stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think just submitting kind of every time you do, you learn a little bit like mm-hmm. how this works. Because every theater, every opportunity is going to do something a little different. I don't know Why? <laughs> but mm-hmm. this is all going to be a little different, but you start to get a sense of like, like the expectation on just a little bit or like what information you want to put into those cover letters or this, the statement of a, objectives and stuff like that. Um, but each time is, it's always each time I learn something out of it and, and you kind of like weirdly you start to have, you build like this library of them all and where you could start like, if needed, kind of pull 
and mm-hmm. um, use it for yourself as a because you don't want to also keep reinventing the wheel. Like I right. don't know. Yeah, for every play that I've written, I have yeah. like I have a blind version of the full script. I have a version with my name on it, and then I have a. 30-page excerpt and I have a 10-page mm. excerpt, you know, and yeah. I have a synopsis that's two sentences and a synopsis that's five sentences. So it's just like that's all ready to go. And if I see a submission opportunity, I don't have to recreate all that stuff. I can just pick the document that they want. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this is to say, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing bad about submitting your work early, even if it feels a little too early. Like it's yeah. good practice. Yeah. But also I think oftentimes too um, – if you made significant changes to the play, like it's a, almost a new play, like they will take it almost not everyone, but I mean, like a lot of places will take it if there has been mm. significant changes. So, so even if you're like, it's not ready right now and you submit it like, Oh, I didn't get it, but you really believe in it. And there's like huge chunks of it being changed and maybe even changed the title. Who knows? I feel like not all, but some will accept. Are the- you say? are you talking about like, then you make it to the second round and then you want to you ask if you can send them the updated draft is that yeah, what you're talking about yeah well that about? too well that too but um just in general like i feel like next not next year but maybe like a year or two goes by or something mm. and you're like i want to resubmit give this play a chance again mm. yeah you know um cuz i always always see um that please you know they'll say like please don't submit the same play but or like if this has significant changes or it's almost like a new play, I guess, then they might take a second. Yeah. Time. They might. You have to really look carefully at what they're asking. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, mm. and new play exchange is such a great resource too. So yes. if anybody who's listening to this is also interested in how to get your work out there, I would really encourage you to join new play exchange, which did not exist when Sarah and I were just out of undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of takes a lot of the power and puts it back in your hands as a playwright because you can create a page with information about your plays. And then when there are theaters that are looking for plays, you will get an email that says like, oh, this play might be eligible for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, and all you have to do is click a button or sometimes you have to submit the script by email or something. Yeah. And you could connect with other writers that way too, or like mm-hmm. see someone. Um, um, and what's so great about New Play Exchange too is um, it's not expensive. Like it's right, it's pretty affordable. Like I think it's like a one fee, which is like what ten, I don't know how much it costs it's like now. Ten dollars a year, ten, or something. ten dollars a year. Um, so that's just something to consider. A place to put all your plays and. And read other people's work too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, oh, okay. So, in the email, Alexis also asks, you know, curious about our thoughts on how to get started to form community, how to find work to support writing. Oh, supporting writing. Mm-hmm. Meeting one. Hmm. Yeah. That's hmm. a tough one. I have never had a job that supported my writing because I've always had jobs that are super um, like I've never had a job where I was just like sitting at a desk all day and, you know, and could like steal time mm-hmm. to write. Um, I've always had jobs where I'm like working with kids, you know, I'm like, it, like literally every minute of my day, I'm 
busy and then I get home and I'm exhausted. <laughs> so mm. I feel like I don't have a good answer for that. Um, yeah. But. Yeah. Cause yeah, it, it, it might tie to what I said earlier, just like um, when you get into like a rhythm when you have all your kind of needs met mm-hmm. and kind of, that's how you find writing. But the thing that I've learned <laughs> is like, um, if like it, I I thought that because when I moved to LA, like I was like, first of all, I, I, first of all, let me tell you the jobs I've had. So coming out of grad school, I couldn't find a job. Lived at my parents' house. Worked at an airport, <laughs> serving mm-hmm. coffee. Um, so I'm like, work. I'm waking up at two a.m. because. That, know, I forgot about that. You so had those insane. early mornings. Crazy job. Like I work at, I woke up at 2 a.m. because you want to get to the airport before the first flight out, which is around like 6 a.m. Wow. So you're like waking up, going, going through security. <laughs> I mean, oh it was hell. Gosh. And I did that for like a few months until I found um, – during that time, I'm like constantly looking, searching, um, you know – reaching out to old, you know, friends, whoever, um, networks and, you know, people who would help me or have some leads on anything, right? Yeah. And so then I eventually got a house sitting gig in LA, which was great. I got, you know, I basically had a full a free rent for a bit mm-hmm. um, while I went, looked for my next thing, which was like a friend of mine who was a page at Paramount where I'm giving tours and I was like, okay, I'll try that out. Mm-hmm. It was like one thing led to another in the span of like a year because mm-hmm. I was, but do you think that year I was writing? No. <laughs> like, right, exactly. No. Like, do you think that whole year I was still adjusting? I was still learning. I was trying to figure out um, what to do. I wasn't even, I think that year I didn't even submit anything to mm-hmm. anywhere because I was like, I need to figure this out. And so, but I was like thinking like, okay, whatever job I do, maybe it'll lend itself to writing or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what publicity was, you know, because I'm like – it was like related to entertainment. It was related to – I'm like reading scripts. I'm like doing stuff and working with different artists. And I'm like, oh, maybe it'll lend itself. But I was also <laughs> like a prisoner to um, the time because publicity works like a news cycle which is 24-7. Uh, so, like, so it was, like, bananas. another – I know. So it was, like, okay. So, like, I have to be up as late as 3 a.m. I have to get up as early as 3 a.m. Like, it – like, because for some reason, all the news is in New York. <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> I have to be in New York time. Um, wow. It was, like, so insane. And then – and now I work – which is kind of – I mean – I had to go through all that to kind of realize this, that um, now I work in a nonprofit where it's still related to writing in some way, where I'm like bringing writing classes, helping bring writing classes to juvenile halls, working with writers, um, and it's an arts and then it's a nonprofit. Like it was kind of all circling around like what I was interested in and what mm-hmm. I like to do and stuff. And But it's not like it took me a while to figure it out what that was. Like I yeah. had to almost go through all that hell <laughs> to figure out what it is. Cause I, I think cause from going from school to school, I never got a chance to figure myself out. 
Yeah. So it was like having given myself the time to figure it out. Um, yeah. So I, I guess it's like all this is all to say like it's going to take time, but don't feel the pressure to like figure it all right now. Right. It does take time. Yeah. And I'm thinking about so I took three years between undergrad and my MFA and mm. and those three years I did not write very much because I was like I was an AmeriCorps member at two different jobs where I was working oh, with yeah. young children and like I was just busy and um, kind of because I was like doing recess with kids all day you know, mm-hmm. as a recess coach like I would come home and I would be so physically exhausted yeah. there was no way I was gonna like then write a play you know yeah um, and part of what was so amazing about then going to an MFA program was that then I had all this time to write and I think mm-hmm. that's one of the really valuable things that and I'm not saying to Alexis to like immediately go to grad school because I don't think that's necessarily the right thing but um like I'm really glad I took that time off but yeah down the road it I mean one of the really great values you get out of an MFA program is your if you can find a funded program you're just being paid to spend all that time writing yeah absolutely yeah but yeah we were basically getting paid to write during yeah. those three years it was so it was awesome um but then also kind of similar what I'm saying but like you got to grad school and I think you like really love teaching like you always love teaching and then you kind of yeah yeah it's like you kept that yeah still kept that by that discovery yeah Um, and all that work I did with kids really has led me to then the jobs I have had since then because mm -hmm. um I had the I built up the experience to then be able to teach in this high school writing program in Michigan and um and I and I do love teaching and I love working with young people. Yeah. But what about this question she's asking about how to form community? Because mm-hmm. I remember feeling so hungry for that too when I yeah. first graduated from undergrad. And I, I was, you know, I was like working in a full-time job for the first time and, you know, with people who were not theater people. And I really missed, I just craved like this theater community that I felt I was missing in my life and um so I really understand that desire to create a community that can support the theatrical work and the writing so what would you tell her yeah well with an MFA program it was kind of built in <laughs> you're like oh here's yes. a community yes <laughs> it was built in which was very nice uh <laughs> um but not everyone will go into an MFA program. So if you, where you are, um, whether it be a major city or not. Um, okay, one thing I love right now, I mean, the silver lining of a pandemic is like everyone figured out what Zoom is. <laughs> so yeah. you literally could connect with anyone across the country, which is yeah. awesome. Um, and this is going to sound like Maybe it sounds easy on the page, but like it's really difficult for me. But it's honestly takes you, the person, to reach out that other person mm-hmm. and like create your community. Like I have drafts of email, email of of like I want to work on this with someone with this person, but I'm too shy to ask. Mm. Like you know, like but like starting that conversation if you you know uh, emailing them. Um, but it really, yeah, I I. I think 
whether it be like table reads of my play, I would reach out to actors I know, people I know that I have made, um, people I'm, you know, met through comedy, Mm -hmm. which really starts with you. Like, I want to do comedy. I'm going to throw myself in the ringer. I will do it. Mm -hmm. And then you like meet people that way too. Um, just like putting yourself out there. And so, um, which again, doesn't have been overnight. I met people through sketch teams, through comedy theaters, um, doing open mics or classes. I just start, you know, meeting people that way. Um, but yeah, improv classes is probably a big one. Where I just mm. took, but don't do it now. It's not a good time to do it. No. <laughs> um, but there's but like this classes. is so true. Yeah. Like we used to say, you know, write a play and then invite your friends over and order pizza and have your friends read your play. But now with the pandemic, yeah, you could just say, well, organize a Zoom call and mm-hmm. think about those people you know from Iowa or from shows you've worked on. Yes. Who do you want who do you want to work with again or who do you want to maintain that friendship with and um just schedule a Zoom call and have them read yeah. your new draft of your new play. Yeah. Um that I think that's such a good way to build that community and maybe you can take turns sharing plays. Yeah. So one month and- it's one person's play, next month it's somebody else. Yeah, creating like a little writer's group that way. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good idea. Yeah. I also think to go back to what you said about emailing people you admire or you want to get to know, it's like the hardest thing to do, but it's also once you realize that you're capable of doing that, it's like it's so – what's the word I'm looking for? It gives you so much agency and it's so empowering Mm -hmm. to realize that like Oh, if you saw a play written by someone you admire, directed by someone you admire, or there's somebody you would like to work with, you yeah. can send them an email and you can say, "Hi, I, you know, I'm a new emerging playwright, or I'm, you know, I just graduated with my degree in theater, and I'm really interested in your work, and I'm wondering if you would have time to chat with me mm-hmm. over Zoom about." you know, what I, what I should be thinking about or how I could get involved or what I could do next. And I, I feel like pretty much everyone will say yes to that. Yeah. But honestly, if they say no or they don't answer, like, it's not the end of the world. You just yeah, go on to the next person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about my current writers group that I'm in. Um, it happened because I was in an improv class and this actor in the class was like, um, hey, a friend of mine I know from Chicago is starting this, who moved to LA recently and starting this writer's group. Um, thought I'd connect you two, you know, like mm. put me in an email and connected me that way. Um, I've never saw that improv friend ever again, but I'm in this <laughs> writer's group and I've been in it for what, like four years, about three, mm-hmm. three, four years now. Um, um, but like things are just kind of start happening that way when you just put yourself out there. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then just I totally agree with everything you just said about that agency, like that you just draft that email, send it, don't look back. (laughs) And it's so hard to do. I am saying this and I'm also knowing that like when I was 22 years old, like there's no way I would have emailed somebody I didn't know and asked them to meet with me over Zoom. Like it's just so difficult. But it's one of the 
best things to learn mm-hmm. how to do, and it just gets easier with practice. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just to state the obvious, like you could always start a podcast with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what we did. We felt like we were living – well, I mean, I was living in northern Michigan and Sarah, you were in L.A., but we both felt like we were kind of in a creative rut Mm -hmm. and we were missing our community of playwrights. And so we decided to start this podcast and talk to each other every week about playwriting. Yeah. And it's it's definitely kept me accountable to like – to read plays yeah. to talk about playwriting and like keep it consistent for the like this has been I mean I love it like it's constantly reminding me the thing I love about playwriting so it's like yeah which is and it nourishes me and yeah. it makes that thing we were just talking about so much easier because when mm-hmm. you have an excuse to email somebody you don't know whose work you admire and be like, we'd love to interview you on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it just has this built in reason to mm-hmm. send that email. Totally. Yeah. Oh, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another idea I'm thinking that like, I haven't mm-hmm. really thought of this before, but one idea what I don't know, I guess once live theater starts really swinging again, up in the swing of things again. What's the phrase? I don't know. Um, once it's happening, you could think about like starting a blog and reviewing plays, you know, or oh, yeah. reach out to like I don't know where this person is located, but reach out to any local um news website or magazine you know if there's like a small scale arts Mm. platform or outlet in your area and just offer to like go see shows and write about them because I feel like that's also such a good way to as Sarah was saying keep yourself accountable and keep seeing new work and then you start to develop your own aesthetic too Mm. Yeah, so interesting you say that because I feel like I had to um, do something like a podcast <laughs> to um, to kind of like, not a pet project, I don't know what to say, but like, yeah, to keep accountable, but to kind of keep me busy in a way that I was like, um, that still like nourishes me entertain me like about playwriting and stuff but also like exercise other skills too um yeah and stuff like that and then and I don't know I just feel like in 21st century there's just so much you can do what at your disposal like mm-hmm. like everything we with a podcast especially it's like everything is in our computer <laughs> like mm-hmm. we fi- I like just figure out how to use it um use the programs and stuff, but it's kind of all there and accessible. Um, yeah. Um, what else is a question? So, oh, Alexis is also curious about <laughs> who each of our favorite playwrights are. And then the second part is what have you done during this? Well, this my answer to this has really changed. I was just thinking about this because if you had asked me like 10 years ago who my favorite yeah. playwrights are, I would have said like, Naomi Wallace, Susan Laurie Parks, like 
you know, Sarah Rule, mm-hmm. Tony Kushner. Um, and I had this list that I would just reel off. But now, honestly, I feel like my favorite playwrights are my peers mm. whose work I've been watching develop. Like you, Sarah, and and people we've interviewed on this show, like people I went to school with and people whose work I'm getting to watch evolve mm. as they, you know, continue – I want to say interfacing, but that word – feels so technical like I don't know just engaging that's the word I want engaging Mm. with the world that is always changing around us um so yeah for me it's really shifted my favorite playwrights are my friends (laughs) you know you know that's the wrong answer right I don't care Sarah you're supposed to to say "Hmm, my favorite playwright me and then like stomp (laughs) off Uh, well, you can you can give that answer. It's me. <laughs> Stomp off. Um, yeah, you know it's so interesting. Um, and I think because on the show we were like interviewed, kind of all different sorts of playwrights from all like backgrounds and mm-hmm. levels of uh, where their careers at, and um. And, I, you know, I'm on Twitter, so, like, <laughs> I, I'm really – I think it's, like – I don't – I can't describe it, but, like, um, who – like, the up-and-comers or, like, whatever that means, you know? Like, I'm so interested in, like, the the plays that are getting picked or, you know, maybe in development or, like – and it's, like, playwrights I have never heard of. And then I'm, like yeah. – And they're, like, oh, and I'm reading their like, oh, wow. Like, this is amazing. Like, it's – yeah, it's this kind of, like – I'm always like looking to like the then what's the next generation of playwrights or something. Yeah, like I'm con- which is like exciting because because especially with the world ever changing and you know I'm always so curious. Um, but yeah, it's like I that excites me. Let me see. So it's like I'm constantly on the lookout. Who are the, who who are the playwrights? And where today? do you find them? And where do you find that work? Me. Mm-hmm. Um, if, they're, if they're on new plates Twitter? change <laughs> Twitter okay. yeah um, yeah new plates change but um, yeah I kind of wonder I mean, I mean I've never been in a situation where I couldn't find the play just yet but if I was I'd probably like DM them <laughs> slip it, slide into mm. their DMs hey <laughs> what's that play I want to read <laughs> um, if they allow me but um, yeah so I'm out, I think, and I think just it's so important just to keep reading new plays, what's going to happen. Because it, playwriting is a form that it's so, um, it's just constantly changing in form. Yeah. You yeah. just don't know who's doing the next thing or like what's happening or um, people are constantly challenging the form and experimenting, trying something new. Um, so that's exciting. And the other thing I did also was um, I remember when I was really hungry to find new playwrights. Yeah. Like in my early 20s, what I would do is I would find interviews with the playwrights I liked. And then usually the interviewer would say, you know, who are you reading right now? Or what's your favorite playwright right now? And then I would track down whoever that person said and like read that person's work. So 
that was how oh, I found out about a, a lot of like new up and coming playwrights then, which mm. is, I'm talking like 10 years ago, um, was that I, I would seek out those interviews. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But it was so much harder then because there was no new play exchange. So I yeah. had to like, you know, go to the library and hope they had some plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you subscribe to like any kind of theater magazines or anything like that? I um, I feel like I am a subscriber to American Theater Magazine, but maybe my subscription has lapsed. Oh, uh-huh. But the nice thing about that magazine is they have a play in every issue pretty much. There's really? There's a length play in every issue, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You, li- you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure everyone knew that except me. <laughs> well, and like now I'm at this big academic institution and the University of yeah. Colorado Boulder has all of these archived issues of American Theater Magazine. So when I search their library for a play, wow, a lot of times they have that a copy of that play in a digitized copy mm-hmm. of American Theater Magazine. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, um, so yeah. Yeah, and it, I'm trying to think. I wonder if, like, I know with my public library, I could get, like, freaking magazines and stuff, like, on, like, digitally because I have this app mm-hmm. and connected to my public library system. So I kind of wonder if they have American Theater Magazine or any of the theater magazines that I could read, um, borrow, instead. I bet they subscribing. do. Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I just love that line. Um, you heard it here first. We're just constantly breaking news. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> um, all right. So last questions before we move on to glistens is like, what have we done during the pandemic to stay creative? Oh, man. Um, well, I mean – what a long pandemic it's been. I mean, there, I feel like there are like 10, <laughs> 10 chapters and counting of um, what have I done? I've really tried to read a lot. Um, mm. I, I, I'm so grateful to the people who have put on um, streaming productions of plays. And I've seen a couple that really like have really stuck with me Um so because I generally like as a rule I don't like watching plays on screen but there have been a few that have really been incredible so Mm -hmm. I've tried to watch those um and I but I mean I've had so much upheaval in my life in the last 18 months with my mom dying and then starting PhD Mm. program that like, I don't know if I have a good answer to this question, (laughs) honestly. Um, I've, I've tried to, um, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I had a couple of commissions that were really helpful. Like they just kind of fell into my lap. And so that was great because it turns out that having deadlines, um, really makes me right. Um, but I don't know if I have a good answer to this question other than that. What about you, Sarah? I did what every internet 
memes have made fun of is like i baked i garden (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is Um, also creative that's very creative i nick says my cooking skills have like elevated to like chef level like he said like he's like i was like you know 10 it takes ten thousand hours right some people say to be like a master of something or whatever that's a malcolm gladwell rule is it oh Mm -hmm. maybe that's where i got it um and so i really feel like I've been cooking nonstop all pandemic long and I've learned some tricks and I've learned, I feel like I've like, I'm exploring different tastes and flavors and um, I subscribe to New York Times cooking. <laughs> so just, I feel like I've done a lot of cooking yeah. a lot. Um, and um, you know what I would love to do? And I was like thinking about this the other day is um, speaking of forming community is like do a supper club is like, you know, find a group of people who would like uh... to cook. And then I maybe, would like, move pick- to LA to join our supper club. <gasps> really? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it's like, like we like maybe like pick a cookbook or something and pick recipes from that book, and we pick like an entree. Cool. Or we take an entree. Each of us take a a different um, course, I guess, and then like share a meal and like do that. That'd be so fun. But that's like I was like, just make sure everyone's vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not gonna happen for a long while. This idea, um, but yeah, that's something I had an idea. I was like, oh, supper club sounds so fun. Um, but yeah, I've been cooking a lot, and yeah, I I would say having deadlines, um, looking out for those opportunities that have deadlines kept me sane. Like, it and they can be artificial deadlines that you create. Like, you yeah, can that too. Yeah, schedule a reading with your friends on a specific day, and then just know you have to have a draft by that day. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, which is just I feel like it kept me sane in this very like pandemic being like such a structureless time. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, every day which probably was a bad thing, but like just hour every minute of my day was like something was happening. Um, and so to have all <laughs> it's kind of it's like kind of going back to like graduating from school and then like having all this time you don't know what to do with yourself. Um, yeah. and trying to figure out well you know yeah creating these deadlines for yourself looking you know just writing journaling free writing just um babbling find find a friend and just babble <laughs> <laughs> just babbling um do you remember too when you were doing the artist's way oh yeah mm-hmm. which i've never fully done but i know there's this idea of going on an artist's date with yourself yeah. And I feel like that's a really good piece of advice. Can yeah. you just share a little bit for Alexis's sake what that is? Yeah. So the artist way, there's two th- big components, which was like the morning pages. Mm. Right? The first thing you wake up is just write. I think it was like five, ten pages or something. Just write. Don't have to make any sense. You just write. You just get it all out of your mind what that is. And then once a week – you do like an artist date where it's just, it's you and you just do something um, for yourself or, um, and that could be like watching a movie, you know, just kind of like watching Mm. a movie and like some, a little alone time. It's not with other people. It's just you. You're doing something. Or like going to a museum, go to a museum, letting yourself Mm. wonder and like be curious. And um, yeah, I think what I did, um, like I, w- I try like calligraphy, like mm. you know, I just spent like then hours. I just or like 
just kind of like sitting there listening to a podcast or something or I don't know. I just kind of like let myself the one time only where I'm not like letting the world of the chaos of the world affect me anyway, just kind of like having a little mini vacation. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the best way to yeah. say it. Um, and just allow yourself that to do that at whatever the activity it is. And that's um, so helpful because you can think of it like feeding your inner artist. Yeah. Which needs to be nourished in order mm-hmm. to create. So you're like thinking about what you're putting into your creative mind rather than just what your creative mind is producing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that is so important. I feel like that's something that um, like, like writers always being, say stuff like like – making it seem like writing is the thing that you have to do. Like it ends all or whatever. Like Mm. this is it only this, you know? Um, But I don't know. I I always get this feeling like, like I feel like writers more like a sponge, like kind of soaking up things and like listening or trying new things, having new experiences. Right. Um, Right. Learn teaching yourself to do something different. Like, yeah. So that's yeah, and I think that's just so important to allow yourself to do that, and then for your sanity, for my mm-hmm. sanity, like it's really helped me to um, learn new, new way of creating. If that makes sense, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, fun, fun, fun. Listeners' question emails. I love this. <laughs> I hope it, hope there was some uh, nuggets of wisdom that was interesting. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I have a question that I want Sam and Sarah to answer with their infinite wisdom, then you too should send us an email with your question and yeah. we'll answer it. Yeah. Um, we just love giving advice. I don't know if you can tell. I don't I don't. Is this advice (laughs) (laughs) or a trap or (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Let's go to glistens. All right. Um, I could go first. So my glisten listeners, uh, speaking of artist date, if you want to do something on a Saturday, um, I have a reading coming up with Moving Arts Theater here in L.A. Um, It's going to be on Zoom October 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Once I get the link, I'll make sure to share it. But um, yeah, it's a brand new play that I wrote over this last nine months. Um, This was a very interesting process where I submitted a proposal, not a play. And they basically provided the resources to take the time and write it um, over the course of nine months in this like like four separate readings um, one was like a cold reading, second was another cold reading, and the third was like a workshop where they gave me a director and actors to like workshop this play together and then have a reading with amongst my peers in the theater. And then now this is the fourth stage where it's a public reading now. I can't believe it's been nine months. I mean, you're saying that and I'm having this <laughs> recollection of you saying like that you got this opportunity and it was going to be for nine yeah. months and that feels like yesterday. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's really it's flew by. Wild. Yeah. So October is be like nine months and then it's over. But um what a gift to have 
this thing during the pandemic. I mm, mean, it really yeah. like, ugh. yeah, deadlines and it was just meeting and also the way to meet people. Like, oh man, I was just, I met a lot of actors and writers and directors this way and it's been really fun. And I'm so kind of like bummed it's like over. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but now I have this play that I'm really excited about and I'm looking to submit to. Do you want to say anything about your play, like a sentence or two, or do you want it to be a surprise? Um, uh, let me think. <laughs> well, okay. So, okay, I actually wrote like a little log line. So, okay, so the log line is this, okay? Because I don't know more to say, <laughs> but it's an, about an impoverished Korean-American teenager uh, learns to cope with her period with the help of her imaginary friend who happens to be a very popular 90s sitcom teenage witch amazing <laughs> I can't wait to see it I'm so excited um, but yeah so yeah so more information about like I don't know what the ticket situation is but that is my play and I hope y'all look out for it and check it out Cool. Well, my lesson is very different. It's simply that <laughs> uh, a baby elephant that was discovered almost four years ago wandering alone in Burkina Faso, um, like in, I don't know, like minutes from dying because it was malnourished and orphaned. Um, anyway, it's now four years old. It is best friends with a goat. And they, the scientists think they're going to be able to reunite it with its family using DNA testing. Wow. Um, so I I read this in the New York Times this week. I was so glad to read a positive news story because I feel like so much of the news is mm -hmm. just so dark right now. So anyway, I just wanted to oh. share that gem okay. with you all. So elephants are not like other species where when you leave their family they're like they're like oh you've been tainted you can't join our family again <laughs> not like that it's not like that i don't think so haven't you heard that saying an elephant never forgets no i never heard of that saying um i don't know i mean i guess i guess they're more worried about whether the elephant will be able to go back and live in the wild because it's mm. been raised in captivity but no i think they think that the if they can find its mother, that the mother will remember it and that the family, the herd will like probably welcome it back. But I don't know. Stay oh. tuned, Sarah. All right. I will. You well, heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Elephants. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's been real. Thanks for sending us your questions, Alexis. Um, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater, or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.